you are listening to the Sustainable Transitions podcast, a podcast series where we explore our transition to a low-carbon society, the communities that lead the way and the people who support them. I am your host, Stephanie Lindbecker. Today's guest is Oi Wong, a researcher at the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research, whose research focuses on moisture recycling. Her paper, Aerial and Surface Rivers, Downwind Impacts on Water Availability from Land Use Changes in Amazonia, was recently published. Welcome, Wei. Thank you, Stephanie. Okay, so let's dive right in. What first drew you to studying moisture recycling? Well, it was a long story, but I will cut it short. When I was studying the university, there was a class it's called Weather, because I was studying atmospheric sciences, and the instructor just told us, because I'm Taiwanese, the air that we are breathing in Taipei in winter is actually coming from Siberia. So it was really fascinating. So I was trying to get a little bit closer to the subject and I was thinking what would be brought by those air from Siberia to Taipei. So when I came to Pei, they're doing climate modeling and I came across paper. It was done by Delphine Klaasim, her 2014 paper. And she was talking about this moisture recycling and what activity, well, land activities in one place that is really distant from another place could actually influence uh, another place. So that's why I study moisture recycling. So what are aerial rivers? So moisture recycling and aerial rivers, they are quite different concepts because aerial rivers describe the preferential moisture flows in the atmosphere. And because this flows, is just like a river that is invisible and was turned in a 2012 paper called Aerial Rivers and we try to keep consistent in the community. And moisture recycling is like the place rainfall is coming from its own moisture perception that's uh, mostly evapotranspiration before the time that you're referring. Okay, and you use both concepts in your research or what are the other? Yeah, because Aerial River is quite a new concept because moisture recycling which uh, previously drew the attention of the community because then you can see how you do the stuff can influence the, your own rainfall reception but aerial river is a new concept because it's two regions not just what you're doing now can you influence yourself but also the communities downwind and that's really possibly far away so what were the main goals of your research the main goal is to see how these aerial rivers can be influential because we now want to know if it's actually really important or actually the influence is not so much then you can just neglect it. Like, uh, maybe only the scientists are really interested in this but it's not so important. Just as I said, if there's whatever happens in Siberia doesn't actually matter because the air goes to Taipei is not very largely changed and we don't actually have to talk about that in any kind of environmental management. Are there any examples of somebody that would be like, I can do whatever I want here because I don't have to deal with the downwind effects? Yeah, just as you said, this concept
concept is also in the service rivers because not just we try to explain this concept, we refer to the examples of service rivers, what the upstream communities do would influence the downstream and it's really influencing people's livelihood. And so why did you choose to study the Amazon over like a different area? Well, so the reason was the group that I'm working with in PIC is focusing in the Amazon regions, so that's why I also choose the Amazon. But the Amazon basin, it has a very important role in the global climate, so somehow you get more data and like more previous papers and you know more about this region. Well, I, I don't know about other regions, there might be also studies in Indonesia or Congo, but when I compared it with Siberia is really fruitful. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So we think availability of data and information in general. Yeah, true. But if uh, there are people interested in this kind of research, I would recommend to do also Siberia because there is a strong coupling and we don't know so much and we need more people to focus on that. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you go about conducting your analysis? So we have a model and I'm not going to detail. So this model tells us how the moisture are flowing and uh, what is the pattern of the arrow rivers above the Amazon basin and so I also have well some observation data for the Amazon basin and we use this data to construct different scenarios that is when the Amazon basin is converted because we know most of the land cover is uh, forest and when it's converted into crop like rice cropping pastureland or bare soil but it would influence the downwind region and we do it not just for the Amazon but also a part of the Amazon. And so when you did all this work what was your biggest finding? The biggest finding is because this model it tells us the pattern and we can actually tell which region is most dependent on this moisture from the Amazon forest because forests are like giant source of the evapotranspiration so the downwind region they actually receive rainfall mostly coming from the forest and we try to identify these regions they are quite dependent and also we can use this if you give me a region you say it is randomly select a city or whatever the region or you just put a, on the google map a dot and you tell me which region and we can use this model to track where are the regions that provide the moisture for the region that you just get me. So you basically developed a model or built upon a model? Yes, and because the model we have is also, we just use simple physical calculation, well physics calculation for portraiting this aerial river pattern. So they are not just models, they are also coming originally from the observation data. So somehow it reflects to some extent the truth is not just modeled. So how does land use influence aerial rivers? Amazon? Well, I guess the influence is coming mostly from changes that we want to investigate. If the forests are converted into rice cropping or bare soil, that is also reflecting the ongoing trend of deforestation in the Amazon basin. And we know that if you convert the Amazon, well, just a part, like 3.5% of the area of the Amazon 
Muslim basin that is not so large, then you can influence about 5 to 12 percent of annual rainfall in a region in Peru and Bolivia. It can also influence the rivers about 19 to 50 percent received by these areas because these are the areas that we think is most dependent on the Amazon forest evapotranspiration provision. But we know that you don't actually have to deforest the whole Amazon, but you just only have to deforest that small area. That means for these Peruvian and Bolivian sensitive areas, you really have to put a conservation target in that 3.5% of the Amazon basin land. Which areas contribute the most to the aerial rivers? Because the aerial rivers has the pattern. So if you tell me Sao Paulo or you give me La Paz, the two cities, then the most important areas for these two cities are different. So we use the model to check and we are trying to make it really simple and from the paper you can also find a link if government officials they want to try to track the regions they are interested in and what are the important upwind regions, they can also use the model to track it. So there's a potential benefit for government officials yeah, we're trying to develop it into a more user-friendly interface, but now it's still quite far from that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, which areas of the Amazon are most sensitive to the effects of aerial rivers? We know that the most sensitive areas, they are outside of the Amazon basin. Okay. Because, uh, for example, Western Bolivia, it's uh, quite a arid region. It's only received uh, 997 millimeters rainfall per year, but it has like 70% of this rainfall coming from the Amazon. So the Amazon itself is not so dependent, but of course we know other feedback systems like if the forest in the east side dies and the forest in the west side might be also dangerous because there's like a, a pump inside this Amazon, but uh, that's not the main focus of our paper. <laughs> but we know like uh, the regions that is surrounding the Amazon and in the downwind of the Amazon basin or the Amazon forest are most uh, dependent and sensitive to this aerial river effect. Why do you think that understanding aerial rivers in the Amazon is important? We just try to understand the aerial rivers and what would be its largest impact and I mentioned before the rainfall can be changed from 5 to 12 percent that's annual rainfall so for the regions they are receiving less than 1000 it might be very important for them to conserve the moisture source because uh, when there is a change of 10 percent then it would bring very large impact to the their ecosystem and their agriculture and we also know that it's not just influential for the rainfall but also the runoff that is the surface rivers and the groundwater that you're receiving and it's very closely linked to people's livelihood and we know that the very important up in regions they can actually govern this surface runoff for 19 to 50 percent by changing the land use type so somehow 
how it demonstrates its importance well in the Amazon region. But generally speaking, if we know more about the global Amazon rivers, then might be also other places they can receive also very strong impact by this land use change from the upwind region. What can the public do to address concerns about aerial rivers? I think if I want to make a suggestion for normal people is to understand this process. For the farmers, what they're doing in their own farms might be influential for the downwind and also what upwind neighbors or non-neighbors <laughs> they do can actually influence you and most people can try to understand more about this process and to promote policy changes according to this process. Are there any policies which could help dealing with the problem of land use change affecting aerial rivers? First of all, from findings we know that for a given region it's possible for you to track where is the most important upwind regions. So let's say the officials of La Paz, they should try to know where are the influential upwind regions just as they know where are the influential upstream regions. And another stuff is so for land use assessments because from our paper we also know through the aerial rivers it's really different because when you deforest in your, I, I don't know if everyone knows the, the concept of watershed. For watershed that is uh, all the communities they share the same river and they are located in the same basin so basically what you receive from the upstream influences are the same and it has a topographic boundaries it's called watershed. So let's say just upstream regions what they do can influence the downstream regions as we mentioned but actually outside of the watershed that is not even the upstream let me give an example so people in the Danube drainage basin they are uh, all connected together because of this river but we know that what you do outside of the river basin that is maybe you are not in the Danube you are in the Rhine or different rivers can also influence the communities in the Danube basin and it's quite opposite so let me give an, a simple conceptual model that is if you're located in a river A's basin and the upstream farmers deforest then you receive more runoff that's through moisture recycling of course we know that could be also other impact like flooding or more carbon emissions or other issues but that's neglected now <laughs> and outside of this river A basin if a farmer located there deforest then inside the river A actually would receive less runoff so that's really interesting because normally we want to conserve the forest in the upstream and there would be a huge debate saying well but if we cut the forest then you get more river water but then of course different reasons we want to conserve the forest in the upstream but also from this paper we want to draw our attention outside of that watershed because when you deforest in the upwind regions that is not even in the same river basin it can actually reduce the river water that you were receiving so that's the different thinking as we had before for conserving the forest and land use assessment so 
we want to draw the officials' attention or stakeholders' attention on this issue because what you are doing outside of the watershed can also influence your river water reception and is actually quite large. So, how is your work related to climate change? What we have done for our paper, we didn't talk about climate change impact, but of course climate change can intensify or possibly decrease the impact of this Ebro River influence. But what we know is that we need more research on how these two processes are interconnected. Because whenever climate change happens, then this aerial river pattern can be changed slightly. And we need to know about that range. And also, what we've been talking about, climate change that is coming from the carbon emissions. And because of the Amazon forest, they are a big sequester of the atmospheric carbon. So this forest, carbon and moisture, they are really closely linked. And there might be also other aspects of how this is linked to climate change. What is the last article you read? I actually don't remember what is the last article. <laughs> I've been reading several stuff that is linked to these aerial rivers and how it can possibly be linked to extreme climate events like drought. And there are more evidence pointing to the recent droughts happening in 2016 to 2017 in South America can be possibly triggered by this aerial river impact because of upwind land use change. And I think that also highlights the importance of knowing or understanding more about this aerial river impact and how it is linked to the more rapidly changing climate and to strengthen our resilience in this environmental change and design more measures to adapt it. Thank you very much, Wei, for the interesting discussion. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information on the content of this podcast or sustainability transitions in general, visit the Sustainable Transitions blog at sustainabletransitionsblog.com.